Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. I'm your host, John Johnson. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, photos, videos, arguments, other things. I used to be a lot more interesting on Facebook, but now I've matured. <laughs> at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Coasting with me, the star of Finding Nemo. Melody Lauer. I young I see you. <laughs> no, that was horrible. I probably what language was that, that? So bad. I apologize deeply to any Korean individuals oh. who may watch or listen to the show. Well, if they're watching I the probably, show, they're doing it wrong. I probably just completely butchered saying hello in Korean. So you, what do you do to your arm? Because like you're all your left arm's all floppy and I stuff. D- I don't know. It just started hurting last yesterday. And just has continued to hurt more and more and more to now where I'm like, it's kind of unusable. You look kind of gimpy. Yeah. Like more so than usual. What? What? Not gimpy. Hmm. Hey, guess what? What? This segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, Super Troopers reference there, you need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition at LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. And remember, unless you're on fire or drowning or some other things I have not considered, you can never really have too much ammo. Because people are always like, you know, John. Look, well, actually. These are the best ads, though. They get, they get engagement. I know. That's why I write them that way. So I'm super excited. We've got someone on that I have not seen give too, too many interviews. Uh, joining us, Rob Hot. Rob, how's it going, man? Hey, good morning, John. How are you today? Oh, I can't complain. And if I did, no one would believe me and or listen. So life is good, brother. How are you? Yeah, about the same. Uh, I'm sitting in sunny West Virginia today where the humidity matches the temperature. Um, but all in all, a good day. Nice. Nice. Didn't have to use your AK, which is always a scene. I really need to stop with the lame pop culture references. That was a Melody's looking at me, but she never listened to the rap music, so she doesn't get the reference. Anyway, for those that don't know, um, who are you? What what do you do? And then we'll talk about what you're really known for, uh, which is something near and dear to my heart, uh, shotguns. Well, uh, I guess I would start off saying I'm just kind of a normal guy. Uh, my day job is uh, as a police officer. I've been a police officer for, oh, I think we're coming up on 32 years now, I believe. Um, I work in a small town called Sistersville, uh, which is located in Tyler County, West Virginia. Uh, I've been uh, the chief, actually the chief of police in Sistersville now for quite a while, um, almost uh, 30 of those 32 years. But uh do a little bit of everything here. It's a small department, so the chiefs are working officers. Um, 
we don't stand too much on rank here, but uh, I've been pretty fortunate. I'm uh, a canine officer. I work on our uh, special response team. I'm a, uh, a member of that. Um, work on a federal fugitive task force, things like that, to keep keeps life a little bit interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, on my side gig, I, I travel around the country uh, occasionally and, and do some uh, firearms training. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit. I think you are, and, and I'm I'm trying very hard. Uh, hopefully, going to make it out to uh, your class in September that Annette Evans is hosting. Uh, but you you mainly are known for doing shotgun stuff, uh, and that's for those that haven't guessed. That's going to be the primary focus of today's show. But how did you how did you get into that? Well, it's really kind of funny. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I shoot. I enjoy. Um, shooting all types of firearms, but back in, I would say, the late 80s, like 87, 88, uh, to the early, early 90s, um, I was an uh, IPSC competitor, and we shot around the region quite a bit, and they would always have a shotgun side shoot at a lot of these matches, basically a kind of a 50-50 deal where uh, it was a sort of a speed shoot on steel or something like that. And at the end of the day, the club kept half the proceeds and the winner got the rest of it. But uh, I enjoyed doing that. And it seems like I was winning a lot of them. And one of my other buddies who uh, I can't really name uh, because of his position, but Mm -hmm. um, we were very competitive together. And later on, uh, he went into federal law enforcement and I went into local law enforcement. And one, we lost track of each other for a couple of years. And uh, then he was uh, selected to go on his uh, unit's uh, full-time uh, tactical unit and uh, got invited to come down to uh, Quantico to um, shoot for a weekend. And one of my good buddies and, and my mentor – uh, I was fortunate enough to grow up within about 30 minutes of Ken Hackathorn. Mm-hmm. And as a impressionable 19 year old, that's when I met Ken and started shooting with him. Um, but we went down together and, uh, my buddy had set up a number of shooting, um, stations and whatnot as only a federal unit can do. And we had always been pretty much neck and neck when we shot, the side matches with the shotguns and we did, you know, we did some pistol shooting and, and then we did some back in that day, carbines uh, were pretty much non-existent. Uh, most of the units were using uh, HK MP5s. Right. So we shot that stuff for a little while and we were pretty much neck and neck with that. And then we got to the shotgun portion that he had set up and, and uh, I think I beat him pretty soundly. And he was like, Rob, what are you doing differently than, you used to do, or, you know, this is, this shouldn't be happening. You know, you shouldn't be beating me this bad. And I said, well, you know, I really don't know because I, I didn't, I just, uh, I'm like a, I'm like a race car driver. That's not a mechanic. I just drive it. I don't, I don't analyze it. I just, I just do it. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said, you know, I just, I just shoot. And he said, well, let's look at this a little bit. You know, the gun doesn't seem to move you around any, uh, your recovery times are faster. You know, the gun doesn't beat you up. And you actually look like you actually enjoy shooting this thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, I do, as a matter of fact. And um, so we, we looked at it, and we determined that I was doing some things differently than uh, what is normally done or, or taught. And 
he said, would you be willing to come down here and put a little presentation together for our firearms instructors about this? And he said, because this is, this is really radical. And I said, well, yeah, I guess I could, but you know, I'm scared to death. I'm a podunk police officer, local guy from little bitty department. And who am I to go talk to these guys who are the nation's leading uh, federal tactical unit? And he said, no, it'll be okay. So I go down there one day on a weekend. We were, uh, I was going to do the presentation on a Monday. So he has, we come down on, I think, Saturday. And uh, he's giving me a tour of the facility and their offices and all this stuff. And, you know, as you, as you probably know, all these guys that are in this business are very type A personality guys. Yeah, for the and, most part. And, you know, they have to be. And uh, most law enforcement officers are. Uh, but this, this takes it to a whole new level, these guys. But anyway, I'm walking through their equipment room, and there's a guy there, and, and I get introduced, and this guy's one of their snipers. And uh, I knew enough about him to know that all these guys are very well trained, and the snipers are all graduates of the Marine Corps Scout Sniper School, one of the toughest schools in the world. And, you know, these guys are supposed to be the best of the best of the best. So this guy comes up and introduces himself to me and kind of gets up in my face a little bit and says, uh, so, you're the shotgun guy, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, well, I got a question for you, dude. You know, he says, do you know how to adjust the rear sight on an 870 slug gun? And I just kind of blinked a couple times, and I thought, this has got to be a trick question. You know, I'm, I'm getting set up here. Yeah. And I looked, and I, you know, because my son at that time, Matt, as you know, uh, he was probably about, eight or nine years old, something like that, you know, still in grade school. And I thought, well, you know, Matt could do that. And I said, well, matter of fact, I do. So he goes, great. He said, you know, deer season comes in in Virginia down here next on Monday, and uh, we can hunt on the base here. And I've got uh, my personally owned shotgun in the trunk of my car. He said, if I bring it out to the range, can you help me get it sighted in? What? Hold that thought because we got to go to break, and I, I want to hear the rest of the story. We're talking with uh, Rob Hot. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatter guns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the new EDCX9, which offers discriminating shooters, 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability, with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. And I'm just going to do a brief segue before we get back into your story, Rob. You've, uh, you've actually got a new signature model with uh, Wilson Combat that we can talk about in just a minute, right? I do, yes. Perfect. We'll, we'll get to that. So anyway, deer season, we can hunt on the base. And go. Okay. Yeah, so we go out to the range to do our thing, to shoot and play a little bit. And then, you know, I'm still thinking to myself that I'm being set up here. So... Lo and behold, here comes a guy walking across the, the parking lot with a shotgun and a bullseye target and a box of shells and a staple gun, whatever. So we go down and, and staple up a bullseye and walk back to about 25, 30 yards. And uh, the guy fires a shot, and it's about six inches to the left or so. And he says, see what I mean? I said, oh, okay. So I get my little Leatherman tool out and 
I move the sight over and he shoots again and it's in the black and shoots again and it's in the black and he turns around with this grin on his face and he shakes my hand and he gives me a very, very genuine thank you, thank you, thank you. And I thought to myself at that point, from a confidence level, I said, you know, I think I'm going to be okay here. Uh huh. So what that did was I did that little program, which uh, I go home and I didn't hear anything. And so I finally called back to my buddy and I said, hey, what do they think? And he said, oh, man, they were really, really impressed by it. They want you to come back and do another uh, full day program for all of the guys, all of the instructors. And I'm like, oh, really? He said, and we will actually pay you for that. So I thought, hey, that's a novel thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, get paid to shoot and be on the range. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. So I go down, long story short, I go down and I do that one, which leads to another one, which leads to another one, which leads to another one. And um, at one point in time, we were doing uh, uh, a rotational program. There were four other instructors uh I was doing the shotgun. I ended up doing a whole tactical shotgun program for that agency, and we would travel around the country doing these programs for their uh, regional SWAT teams. So that would always lead to other folks from local agencies being in those programs, which would uh, lead to more interest uh, from those agencies. Uh, So it just kind of blossomed. So for about a 10-year period, 12-year period or so, I was pretty busy traveling around the country doing these shotgun programs. Um, Along the way, uh, IDPA started. I was one of the founding guys with that. I wasn't uh, on the board or anything, but I was involved with uh, a lot of the backdoor meetings and and, uh, experimentation and stuff on that. And uh, lo and behold, we held the first... uh, IDPA uh, Invitational, I I was fortunate enough to win that. Um, I got noticed by Smith & Wesson and asked uh, if I wanted to shoot for Smith & Wesson. So I did that, and I ended up, nobody remembers this because it's been about 18 years ago, but I was actually the first IDPA National Stock Service Pistol Champion. So That's pretty uh, nice. Yeah, I mean, so, and for the next... uh, few years we did that and uh, i'm sure you're aware of uh, ernest langdon yeah yeah i've met i've met ernie once or twice yeah well so ernie uh uh was just uh getting out of the military at that point and he was starting to shoot competitively and and he's an he's an incredible shooter um he he got to uh a position with beretta usa as a employee and and so he was wanting to start a pistol team for Beretta, and he kind of coaxed me away from Smith. Um, so I spent the next few years uh, shooting for Beretta USA with Ernie and uh, uh, Super Dave Harrington and uh, the late Todd Green. We were all on the team together. And uh, traveling around, you know, the the shotgun kind of went by the wayside a little bit because of the competitive shooting, but I would always do half a dozen classes or so a year uh, a lot of the, the federal dollars kind of dried up, and so they weren't doing as many uh, federal agency classes as, as they once did. But the private sector stuff has picked up quite a bit over the years. Right. Well, so let me ask you this. Um, the 
The shotgun in general seems to be something that is widely misunderstood by a lot of different people. Uh, and it's oftentimes when people describe its negatives, it's, it seems to me, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts, that they're trying to make it be a tool for a thing that it was never intended to be a tool for. But what are your general thoughts on like the utility of shotguns compared to like a carbine or a handgun or just what? Give me, give me the breakdown, I guess. Why, why a shotgun? Well, I think you're right in that, in that there was a movement in the middle 80s, uh, and I think Gunsight was behind a lot of the development and uh, the research behind that, but they, they kind of led the charge uh, to develop what was termed the social shotgun, mm-hmm. which would take up uh, the modifications uh, that were useful to turn a uh, standard hunting type shotgun or a, a, a police model riot gun type thing uh, into a more versatile shotgun. They started putting sights on them. Uh, they started advocating the use of slugs more um, to try to make it to try to make it be all it could be. Uh, so I got to give them a lot of credit for um, expanding uh, the knowledge base on this, but I think too many too many people try to make it what it what it's not. I mean, it's not a sniper rifle, um, it's not a carbine. Uh, but what you have to remember is during the heyday of uh, when this movement took place, carbines really weren't out there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the battle rifle was the big deal. We had the HK uh, 91s. We had the M1As. We had mostly 308 caliber, uh, the FNs, that kind of stuff. Those were those were really popular. The 223, all that was really available was the, uh, the, the standard Colt AR-15, you know, the old 20-inch barreled rifle with the triangular handguards, the early models. That uh, that was the the, the rifle. At right. that point, you know, and, and um, a lot of the experts kind of poo-pooed that as being, uh, you know, Jeff Cooper in particular, they, he called it a mouse gun. Yeah. Uh, you remember all that. Um, well, I heard so, about all that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was a little young, but I, I, <laughs> I am aware of the back and forth that occurred, yes. Right. And so shotguns were a, a filled the void. Uh, folks that couldn't have an AR-15 or just never, you know, the, the, all the cool stuff that we, uh, strap on those things now wasn't even thought of mm-hmm. then. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, even most police agencies, they, they either used issued a shotgun or nothing at all. Um, the, uh, concept of the patrol rifle wasn't even born yet, uh, unless it was a lever action 3030 somewhere out West or whatnot. Uh, most law enforcement agencies, uh, and still to this day, uh, the shotgun is the most commonly encountered support weapon for law enforcement. But tactical units either had a shotgun or they had a submachine gun. Mm-hmm. They were either using a, a HK MP5 or an Uzi. And um, so the, the shotgun was the uh, the go-to. So there was a lot of movement to optimize the shotgun and one of the things that revolutionized training with the shotgun was um this this movement where we say okay 
instead of just taking officers or somebody to the range and familiarizing with the shotgun rather than qualify like we do with a handgun, um, because shotguns were very destructive to the infrastructure. Uh, whatever ranges, uh, target stands and whatnot, uh, shotguns are really tough on the wood frames and that kind of stuff. So they didn't shoot it a whole lot. And range officers, quite honestly, had a hard time assigning a numerical score. They'd have to go up and, and count holes and say, okay, you've got this percentage or that percentage. So two things happened. Well, let, One let, which... uh, you tell me about those two things in just a second because we're already up on another break. So it, go, it okay. goes quick. So just hold that thought. We'll be right back with Rob Hot. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. This segment also brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the new... 1200 lumen EDCL 2T handheld or 500 lumen EDCL 1T handheld to the 1000 lumen XH35 or wait for it, the brand new upgraded with 1000 lumens X300 fits in your standard X300 duty holsters. Surefire can make sure you never have to yell Aziz light ever again. Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Remember, if you are listening to Ballistic Radio, you can get 20% off everything at the Surefire.com web store except batteries and suppressors by entering the discount code AZIZLIGHT, A-Z-I-Z-L-I-G-H-T, no space. Anyway, we're talking with Rob Hot, uh, and I interrupted you, and if you'd like to continue, sir, I would appreciate that. Um, well, basically, because of this development of the shotgun, uh, trying to optimize it, uh, we tried to turn it into what we use a carbine for today, which was a, a intermediate type weapon. We wanted they set the shotguns up with uh, ghost ring sights and systems, and that would allow you to switch the slugs and engage a target beyond the normal buckshot ranges out to uh, 75 yards, 50, 75 yards, that kind of thing. So that was uh, an attempt to make the shotgun into a carbine when carbines came about it took it took that need away from the shotgun pretty much but where i was going with that original thought was a couple of things that really brought shotgun training uh out of the out of the shadows was the development and more widespread use of quality steel targets mm -hmm. okay before that uh, most range masters didn't want you to shoot a lot of shotgun because it, it tore their range up. But having a steel target where you didn't have to count holes, uh, you didn't have to change targets every few shots, allowed you to actually shoot more, which allowed you to actually train more rather than just uh, firing a couple shots. You could actually start working on skill drills, things like that, and then set performance standards and, and the whole level of shotgun training went uh, went straight up after that. Um, ammunition manufacturers started listening. They started um, developing better performing ammunition, that kind of thing. And uh, in different methodology and training, uh, instructors started realizing that there were ways to mitigate uh, the recoil of the shotgun, which is its biggest drawback for most folks. 
And once they realize that, you know, it's not going to beat you up so bad if you if you change your technique a little bit and work at it, uh, and then you can shoot more by shooting steel targets, and you've got better performing ammunition that gives better results on the street and better performance. Uh, so that brought the shotgun kind of back into the back into the uh, daylight. Well, and it seems like too that a lot of people. So the common arguments that I hear against the shotgun, and I hear a lot of them. Uh, one, they all seem to be coming from certain generational. Um, huh, uh, categories, I guess. So the younger dudes don't like shotguns as much. I'm I'm sort of an anomaly uh, inside of, you know, the the younger generation of trainers or enthusiasts or whatever you want to call me, right? Um, but it, it seems to be people talk about the recoil and ammunition management, and you know, a carbine can do everything better. And it seems like uh, it, it seems like people sort of don't really respect what the shotgun does compared to rifle or pistol rounds. You know what I mean? Right. I, I get that a lot too. And a lot of these guys, you know, a, a carbine is, is sort of like, uh, I don't know, a, a jigsaw puzzle for these guys. They can, they can add, all these different things to it. There's all, there's always something else to buy. There's always something great in a, in a, in a magazine being advertised that you could strap on this thing. And what, what you end up with is a, is for the average guy, he gets a gun that looks like uh, it's going to Fallujah rather than something that they really, really need. Um, you know, you get a lot of these younger folks that they'll show up to class and they'll have, you know, uh, chest plates and helmets and body, uh, night vision and all this kind of stuff. And you go, Whoa, dude, that's some pretty high speed gear there. What do you do? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a computer guy. Yeah. Oh, really? So, I mean, you know, and bless her heart, you know, they keep the industry going and, and, um, there's a lot of interest in that stuff. Uh, but the shotgun for all intents and purposes, has been around, uh, I tell folks in my class, the shotgun's been around since Leonardo da Vinci, practically. Right. And it has fed our families, fought our wars, patrolled our streets, and protected our homes all these years. Mm -hmm. And I don't see it going away anytime soon. Uh, it's probably, like I said before, the most prevalent support weapon. And in my part of the country, in rural America, just about every farmhouse has a has a shotgun behind the kitchen door, or you know they're they're everywhere. Um, and I tell these guys that are into all the high speed stuff, I said if you're going to be a serious student of, of weapon craft, if you're going to be serious about uh, all this stuff, it would behoove you to know a little bit about shotguns and to be proficient with them. Right. Uh, the chance of, of maybe picking one up somewhere. Um, it, you know, is high. You know, if you if you've got to do a pickup thing somewhere and scrounge for a weapon, the chances of, of grabbing a shotgun somewhere, you know, is pretty good. So, it would be uh, behoove you to be be proficient with it. Well, and it also seems too that a lot of people. So I had a conversation with a dude that's a legit dude that, um, you know, uh, a tip of the spear face shooter type dude that just thinks shotguns are dumb, right? And right. he, he's like, um, you know, anyone serious could, could have a carbine. I'm like, 
What do you think minimum is for what you consider to be a decent carbine setup before training or anything? And he's like, a thousand bucks. And I'm like, huh, that's funny. Um, use police 870 plus a box of flight control sub 300. And, right. and, and the, you know, the resource allocation too, for something like that is not something that I think maybe a lot of people consider, at least not, you know, and I, I hate to, I hate to use this word, but, uh, you know, Pinkus makes a distinction between hobbyists and not, and it's maybe the one thing he's ever said that I actually agree with him on though not in the perjurative sense that he uses it. But it, it seems like a lot of hobbyists don't um, understand that there are regular folks that are not going to spend $1,000 on a rifle, don't have it to spend even if they wanted to. Exactly. I mean, when you can walk into uh, a gun shop or a pawn shop and buy a used 870, even an express slug gun, uh, for 150 200 bucks, like you said, uh, Ammunition is cheaper than, than carbine ammo. I mean, you can go into any Walmart or um, Cabela's or Dix and buy, you know, bulk shotgun ammo. The average guy can go get a case of uh, birdshot and go out to the range with a steel target and practice skill drills and manipulation drills, things like that with a shotgun. And I, I tell folks in my class, I said, of all the weapon systems that, that I'm familiar with, uh, you know, handgun, carbine, shotgun, subgun, uh, and so on. The shotgun is probably the easiest to maintain your proficiency level with. Uh, you know, most most of the things you do with a shotgun require uh, some gross motor skills. They don't uh, have a lot of fine manipulation uh, like a handgun that deteriorate if you don't practice. So, you know, if you take a shotgun to the range every couple of months or so and, and shoot a box of bird, 25 round box of birdshot, you're probably going to keep your skill level at an acceptable uh, point. Um, whereas if you don't go to the range and don't shoot your handgun for six months or so, you're going to be kind of rusty with it. Right. But so I, I think that the fact that they're more popular or excuse me, more more prevalent than any other arm they don't raise a lot of eyebrows in certain certain areas. You know, if, uh, certain parts of the country, if, if you've got a shotgun, nobody pays much attention to it. If you pull out a carbine with uh, aim points, lights, lasers, and, and uh, camo paint and all kinds of stuff on it, you know, uh, that raises a few eyebrows in certain circles. So I think the shotgun is always going to be a little bit more accepted uh, in places that, that – uh, modern sporting rifles uh, are legislated against. Uh, the shotgun's always going to be there. That's going to be probably the last thing to go when it comes to um, anti-gun legislation. So, well, hold that thought again because we got to go to break. Um, we're talking with Rob Hot. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Radio brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. So we're talking with Rob Hot about shotguns. Um, and you were saying before the break that something that maybe a lot of people don't consider, too, is just the optics, uh, how it looks between, um, you know, a pump-action shotgun or semi-automatic shotgun, which is many places uh, viewed much more favorably than, um, 
you know, a modern sporting rifle. Whether it should be that way or not, com- completely separate conversation. But uh, let me ask you this, and, and your son gave me this question to ask you. So uh, I, I apologize because I don't. What I, could possibly go wrong oh, here? Oh, no, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Uh, he, he says uh, he wants to know how many copulating felines will fit through the ejection port of an 870. <laughs> All of them. Huh. I feel like that that's There's a, a backstory here. Yeah, I don't know that it, I don't know that we can get into it on the show or not, but that's uh Well, what he that came from a comment that I made in a class one time when a guy was trying to really finesse uh a reload uh trying to uh basically insert the live round into the ejection port and and shove it with his thumb up into the uh chamber. And I'm going, dude, you don't need to do that. You can throw two felines copulating through that thing. So just, so just do it, you know, in wor- words to that effect. Well, I, I appreciate you cleaning it up for the, uh, for the FCC. So, uh. Yes, yes. But anyhow, that's, that's become kind of a standing joke uh, in the classes. You know, he'll call ahead or something, and somebody will invariably ask me that. Nice. So. Nice. But, but yeah, uh, you know, and, and another thing, like if you have states like California at, at, the, at the current year, uh, carbine training in California is pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Talking with other instructors, uh, you know, they're not scheduling any more carbine classes or anything out there because of the regulations. And, and uh, guys in California are, are getting their guns out of state and they're putting them in storage, you know, in Las Vegas or someplace. Uh, but in states like that, uh, New York, New Jersey, places that, that, that carbines are really um, frowned upon, uh, mag capacity is an issue, that kind of stuff, uh, shotgun training is picking up. You know, I'm getting more and more requests, you know, and, and I can foresee that uh, um, shotguns in general will uh, become a whole lot more popular. Well, and it seems like, too, that, you know, there are a couple of different companies that are sort of, um, one in particular that I can think of that uh, is driving sort of the, oh, hey, look, cool stuff that actually doesn't suck that we can put on the shotgun. And I'm thinking of uh, Eridus Industries, which makes yes. amazing 870, 590, and 1301 products. Um, you know, I, I said this recently in a private group that if if you've got a a work shotgun and you don't have a QDC on it, that uh, you're wrong. And that's kind of a, it's sort of a joke, but sort of not a joke. Um, But you've also got, um, you've got a signature model, like I said earlier in the show that you're doing with uh, Wilson Combat. Full disclosure is a sponsor of mine, but you want to talk about that real quick? Um, Sure. What Uh, went into that? Well, I've been associated with Wilson Combat for many, many years. Bill and I have been friends for, 30 plus years and uh, his son, Ryan, I've watched grow up and uh, take over the company pretty much. Uh, when Bill bought Scattergun Technologies many years ago, uh, we had conversations about uh, what was useful to the shotgun and, and whatnot. And I've been, I guess, kind of a technical advisor over the years. And we had discussed many times the uh, concept of, of doing a, a signature model. Um, I used Wilson's accessories and, and whatnot on my guns, and, and all of my training guns were Wilson combat guns, and, and I use them at work as well. 
So we talked about this, and I said, well, you know, this is what over the years is what I've evolved into as far as uh, what my likes and dislikes are. And this is if I was going to build a shotgun for uh, the average person to have the most versatile uh, package that I can think of, you know, what, what is useful and what is not, I said, this is what I would do. And we, uh, we put it on paper, and we looked at it, and uh, he said, well, let's just do it. So we put we put it together in time to uh, introduce it at the NRA show this year, and uh, it's been a pretty big hit. Uh, they say uh, that it has kind of rejuvenated their shotgun line a little bit. They're getting a lot of interest in it. Um, some of the things that are different about this particular gun, uh, for years I've taken a standard ghost ring rear sight and have cut the top of it off so that I had a kind of an exaggerated U-notch rear sight. Uh, which I think optimizes the difference in speed between a simple bead shotgun sight and a and a rifle sight. Uh, kind of gives me the best of both worlds. Uh, we did a four-round side saddle on it instead of a six because uh, I feel with a six-round side saddle, you can't get your hand around the receiver of the gun, and that's the balance point, uh, and it's necessary for some of the manipulations and stuff that I use. Uh, and also, we just did a, a one-shot extension rather than a, a three-shot extension because uh, I think that if you uh, put a long bayonet tube on the end of that thing, that it just makes it uh, a little bit unwieldy and then unbalances the gun. And we put a Magpul stock on it because the biggest single hurdle I see in all my classes is guys show up with a with a stock that's too long, and it's very difficult to modify uh, with a Magpul stock. Uh, it fits more people. They've got enough inserts in it that you can adjust it to uh, fit just about everybody. So that's that's uh, we tried to optimize uh, the Rob model, and uh, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Well, it's um, I, I'm looking forward to getting to play with one, and I'm sure I will at some point. The uh, what, what's funny to me and what's kind of cool is to see sort of shotguns are are starting to have a resurgence almost with um, with people. And I, I almost wonder if it's just people getting bored with carbines in, in a way. It's like they, they've already done everything there is to be done. And it's like, well, here's this thing that I've not played with. I'm going to play with these for a little while now. You know what I mean? I think, I think you're on to something there. Uh, like we talked about the generational thing. My generation grew up with shotguns, then moved to carbines. Uh, these younger folks have started off with the carbines and now they're, they're, uh, gravitating towards the shotgun. So it's kind of a resurgence. You know, I had a guy on the range, uh, this past Sunday that was showing me this really new thing he had. He found this Smith and Wesson revolver and he was just enamored with it. <laughs> and I, I, and I laughed. I said, you know, when I started my law enforcement career, I carried a model 19 Smith and Wesson for years. And, uh, that was our duty weapon. And he kind of looked at me, really? I said, yeah, bro. I said, you know, uh, I went from revolvers to autos. Now you, you're you're doing the reverse. You started off with a Glock, and now you're coming back to a, the, the finer things in life, you know, a, a nice vintage Smith & Wesson. Well, so I was very lucky in that the first, uh, the first handgun I ever learned to shoot on was a uh, Model 19, two-and-a-half-inch Model 19, which is sitting in my cool. safe right now, which is kind of nice, but... Um, so if people want to train with you or, I mean, I know that you do mostly, uh, you do some open enrollment class, but a lot of your classes are, are contract classes. But if, if folks want to train with you or, 
um, learn more about uh, the gauge in, in one of the dudes I really think helped push the development of it, um, at least in, in the modern sense, where, where can they find you at or how can they come take a class? Well, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> my son is, you know, you know, he's uh, the the computer guy, and he's uh, been on me for a long time to, to start a website, and I think I really need to do that. Uh, I've resisted that for years, but um, I have a I have an email address that if somebody wants to get on a waiting list or somebody wants to to know if I've got something coming up, they might just drop me a line uh, by email. Um, that would be S-Y-M-T-A-C SimTac at Yahoo.com um, or kind of watch uh, watch some of the groups on Facebook uh, They M4Carbine.net things like that uh, some of the training calendars that are on those folks uh, websites We, if I have an open enrollment class the host will usually uh, post it on there Perfect. Well, Rob, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, I'm glad that your uh, your department did not need you during the course of this interview. Uh, you'll have to thank them for me for, for holding the fort down. Uh, but I really appreciate it, man. I'm really looking forward to hopefully being able to make it out in September. I'm trying to get trying to get everything lined up. So, Well, we'd, we'd love to have you out there. I'd be, uh, be really happy to meet you out there. So uh, whatever you need to do, you know, if you've got to give blood, you know, whatever, go, go do that so you can get out there. I actually need one of our classes not to fill, and it's the first time I've ever, ever gone, well, if this class doesn't go, I'm okay with that. So, Wow. But, yeah, I know. I know. But anyway, I appreciate it, Rob. You have a good day, all right? You too, John. All right. Be, be safe. Hey, guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio, and keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week.